Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to another episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh, and my mission is to help you, the high-functioning, successful human you are, to figure out your unhealthy relationship with alcohol and get you solutions so you can feel better and thrive in your life. If you're like me and my clients, you know the struggle of trying to get and stay sober. And sometimes, no matter how hard we try, we fall back into our old patterns. So today, we're going to explore the three stages of relapse and how to fight against them. We're going to look at how to recognize the signs, how to move through them, and how to come out on top with your sobriety intact. So buckle up, my friend. It's going to be a hell of a ride. And let's start with this. What if I told you you could statistically increase your chances of living an alcohol-free life, even if you're just getting started or you've been struggling to stay sober? And we're going to talk about three proven steps to help you do exactly that. And these are the same steps that you'll use to get through each of the stages of relapse too. So for every year you spend in recovery, your chances of lifelong sobriety increase. There was an eight-year study, almost 1,200 adults who were struggling with alcohol addiction, and they found In the first year of recovery, about one-third of people will maintain sobriety. And really, i got to be honest with you, I feel like that's a little high. But they say one-third in the first year, one-third of people will maintain sobriety. After the one-year mark, this number increases to 50%. And if you hit the five-year milestone your chances of continuing lifelong sobriety increase to 85%. Like that's crazy. Even that one year mark increases to 50%. Like this is pretty awesome. And you can give yourself even better odds by surrounding yourself with healthy, positive people, committing to regular support meetings of some sort, and doing ongoing therapy or coaching to develop healthy coping skills and manage your stress. Did you hear those three things? Because you're going to hear them a lot. (laughs) Those are the three proven steps to get you through all of this stuff. And you're going to hear it a lot throughout this episode. And I know it's simple and it's almost so simple that you're going to want to ignore it and not pay attention or you're going to feel like it's insignificant. So you want to put it on the back burner. But when I go through these stages of relapse, you're going to realize very quickly how putting things on the back burner is what gets you in trouble. So don't minimize things or discount things because they're not big and profound and life-changing in a split second. You have to pay attention to these things and understand we talk about them for a reason. 
So let's get into the stages of relapse. One of the biggest keys to relapse prevention is to understand that relapse is a slow process. It happens gradually. Oftentimes, the relapse process starts sometimes weeks or even months before you actually pick up a drink or a drug or partake in your unhealthy behavior. You may remember an episode I did way back called, Is Relapse a Choice? If you haven't listened to it, you'll definitely want to, or if it's been a long time, you'll want to re-listen. It's episode 79, and I will link that in the show notes so you can get there easily right from your podcast app, wherever you listen to your podcasts. So the stages I talk about in this episode are exactly what we're going to go through, but the point of that episode is to understand that at each stage, you have a choice to make. And something I learned very early in my recovery is you think about everything that you do, every decision that you make is, is it getting me closer to a drink or is this getting me farther away from a drink? That's how I want you to frame things in your recovery. So the three stages of relapse are emotional, mental, and physical. And I'm going to give you the challenges of these and how to get through them, right? So emotional relapse, the challenge is there can be some denial at this stage because in emotional relapse, you're not actually thinking about drinking or using drugs, right? You may even remember your last drinking extravaganza and you don't want to repeat it, but what's happening is your emotions and behaviors are setting you up for relapse at some point down the road. And because you're not consciously thinking about drinking or using drugs during the stage, it's easy to deny that it's happening, right? It's easy to overlook it. When my clients relapse, the first thing I say is, okay, what was going on in that moment? And if they can't pinpoint anything like even that day, then we start backtracking. Because I can absolutely promise you we're going to find the emotional relapse, right? We're going to find the current emotional relapse. And what people often misunderstand too about recovery is so much of recovery is about managing your emotions. It's about managing your stress on a daily level keeping your stress and anxiety at a level that's more manageable so that when you're faced with extenuating circumstances, you're faced with an emotional situation, you're faced with a craving, you have to have the energy to deal with that. But if you're not working on your coping skills and your stress management and keeping yourself at a good healthy space, then you're not going to have the reserves to deal with a bigger situation when it arises. So some of the signs of an emotional relapse are bottling up your emotions, right? Not talking about things, isolating, uh, not going to any kind of support meetings, right? Which is also kind of, it's isolating, uh, going to meetings, but not sharing, focusing on other people, or focusing on other people's problems and how they affect you, 
Another sign of an emotional relapse is poor eating or poor sleeping habits. And when you go through these, you see the common denominator of emotional relapse is poor self-care. And self-care is a huge topic, right? But self-care isn't all about massages and facials. Self-care is about your emotional well-being, taking care of yourself, literally caring for yourself. And when we're working in this emotional relapse phase, really what I want my clients to understand is what self-care means and why it's so important. And that self-care varies from person to person. It's different for everybody. You know, some people may need more emotional self-care and some need more physical self-care. You hear us talk about the acronym HALT, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. This is my go-to quick checklist whenever I find myself feeling overwhelmed or irritated or if I get snappy with people around me. It's like, okay, let me stop. What the heck is going on? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. I'm always at least two of them, but then I know what to do instantly, right? But this is really a self-care acronym. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. What am I lacking? These are basic human needs. What am I lacking and where do I need to take care of myself? What do I need to do in which of these areas to care for myself? For some people, it can be as simple as sleep and hygiene, right? Taking a shower and brushing your teeth and eating a healthy diet. But for most people, self-care is about emotional self-care. You have to make time for yourself. Be kind to yourself. Have fun. See, a lot of people don't think of fun as self-care, but it is imperative that you enjoy yourself and you enjoy your new life. Even if the changes you're making aren't about drinking or substance, say you're going through a breakup or a divorce after a long relationship, you have to enjoy your new life. If you don't enjoy your new life, you're going to start thinking about your old life. And we usually have to go over this stuff a million times, right? It's not like you go, oh, okay, I'm going to start doing emotional self-care. And like you check it off your checklist and move on with your life. No, this is ongoing stuff, right? So for me, I'll tell you one of the things I do is I wear myself down. I overwork, right? I'm definitely a workaholic. My work brings so much joy and I love it so much, but I can definitely spread myself thin. And I have to check myself and go, okay, hold up. Are you getting super tired again? Are you wearing yourself down? Are you overextending yourself? Are you packing your schedule too full, right? You have to revisit these things consistently. Do you feel that you're being good to yourself? How are you having fun? Are you making time for yourself? and staying caught up in your life or getting caught up in your life. Another part of this stage is really identifying the denial part. You know, understanding that this is happening, whether you really recognize it or not, or understanding that it's significant even when you want to blow it off 
or again, put it on the back burner. Listen, you guys, we're all super busy humans. We have crazy schedules. Most of you are parents and or partners. You have businesses. I know my clients are typically very high functioning people with very busy lives. You know, nurses, doctors, attorneys, teachers, C-suite executives, you know, like we're busy and it's really easy to think, oh, I need to take care of myself or I need to take a break or I need to create a sleep routine, but I'll do it later because right now I have to do this thing and do that thing and do this thing. And those are all more important. So part of what we do in this stage is really bringing it to your awareness, how important it is that you take care of yourself to keep yourself in a good spot so that you're not heading for a relapse. We want to always make sure that your self-care is improving, not worsening. And this is where, again, the three proven steps to help you get through all these stages, surround yourself with healthy, positive people, commit to regular support meetings of some sort, and do some ongoing therapy or coaching to develop healthy coping mechanisms and for managing stress. That right there is the code for life. That will get you through anything, those three things. So the next stage we're going to talk about is mental relapse. And the transition from emotional relapse to mental relapse really is just a natural progression of prolonged poor self-care right? When you are not taking care of yourself in that emotional phase, you're going to shift into the mental phase, right? If you exhibit poor self-care and you live in that emotional relapse long enough, eventually you're going to start getting really uncomfortable and you begin in, you know, in 12 steps, we say irritable, restless, and discontent. All of those things apply, and it's such a simple phrase, but it makes so much sense, and it encompasses a lot. So the more uncomfortable you get, the more you start to feel feel irritable, restless, and discontent, that tension continues to build, and then you start thinking about drinking or using drugs because you need to escape that feeling. And the tension. Remember, we drink to change how we feel. So if you're not taking care of yourself and you're not relieving the stress and the tension through good self-care to take care of your emotional health, then you're going to start to feel bad. And when you feel bad, you're going to start thinking of ways to not feel bad. And what do you think the number one thing is your brain is going to tell you? right? It's drinking. (laughs) So this is the mental relapse. It's the war going on inside your head where part of you wants to drink, but part of you doesn't, right? Should I? Shouldn't I? And then you go deeper into the mental relapse and your ability to resist gets smaller and your need for escape gets bigger. So some of the signs of mental relapse are cravings, right? You have cravings for drugs and alcohol. 
you start thinking about people, places, and things associated with past use. Uh, the third one is minimizing consequences, right? You start thinking, oh, it wasn't that bad. I wasn't that bad. Or you start glamorizing your past use, like romanticizing it. Oh my gosh, this was so much fun. This was so great when I did this and I was with my friends and I was connected, right? You start glamorizing. Um, bargaining, lying, thinking of little schemes to, to control your drinking, right? We all know all the little mind games we play with ourselves about how we're going to control it this time. Uh, looking for opportunities and then planning it, right? Those are the, the signs of mental relapse. What you want to do here, what I do with my clients, right, is, and you've heard me talk about this on a million podcast episodes, you want to avoid high-risk situations, especially if you're really in this mental relapse phase, right? You've got to avoid high-risk situations. And most of the time, when you're in it, it's hard to identify what those high-risk situations are. Or it's hard to believe that they're actually high risk. Let's take the starting to think about past people, places, and things associated with drinking. Let's take that as an example. If you're sitting around and you're like, oh, I haven't talked to so-and-so in a long time. I wonder what they're up to. I wonder if they want to get together and do something. Maybe I'll just see if they want to go have lunch. That's not something that you're going to identify as a high risk situation. For me, as a professional, super high risk. Because why are you picking that person? What is the attraction to that person? Why aren't we focusing on new people or sober people? <laughs> right? So you have to understand that these are high risk situations. And Sometimes, too, my clients will feel like avoiding high-risk situations is a sign of weakness. And you start getting into this, like testing yourself. I hear this all the time. It's the craziest thing I've ever heard, but so many people do it. I want to test myself. I want to see if I can be at the party and not want to drink. I want to see if I can have alcohol in my house and have it not affect me. I want to see if I can do this without telling people that I'm quitting drinking. Those are all high-risk situations, and sometimes people see those as a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of weakness. It is when I'm making changes in my life and it's a priority, it has to be a priority, period. And I'm going to have to do things differently to achieve it because it's a priority. We also bargain. This is another phase here that is important. You start thinking of like different scenarios that it would be okay to use. Like when people will give themselves permission to drink on holidays or on vacation, that's bargaining. Or sometimes it's airports or, you know, all-inclusive resorts. Like those are high-risk environments, certainly in early recovery. Another form of bargaining is when you start to think you can relapse periodically, like in a controlled way. You think... I can drink again, like I'm going to quit for now, but then down the road in 90 days or a year, then I'll be able to drink again in a controlled way. Then I'll be able to control it. Bargaining can also be switching. 
like one substance for another or switching from drinking to another behavior. You know, keep in mind that some thoughts of drinking or using are normal, especially in early recovery. And having a thought here and there is not mental relapse. I know the dream is to never have to think about it again, right? Like we just want to get sober, we want to put down the booze and never think about it again. But the truth is, you're going to think about it. I'm going to think about drinking because I'm an alcoholic, right? Like it is who I am. It's who my brain is. I engaged in that behavior for many, many years. So of course, I'm going to think about it. And it's not uncommon to have some cravings. It doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It doesn't mean anybody's going to be disappointed in you, right? But you have to talk about the thoughts because that's how you make them less powerful. People are so reluctant to talk about having thoughts about drinking or using because they feel like it means they're doing something wrong or it's going to alarm everybody around them. But it's not, it's totally normal to think about it, right? But you need to talk about it also with someone that you trust and someone who knows how all of this works. So you take the power away from those thoughts. This is all about coping skills, right? You have to have good coping skills to get through all these phases. Recovery largely is about developing coping skills, being able to deal with our feelings, whether they're good or bad, right? I need to understand how to cope with happiness and excitement just as much as sadness or boredom or depression. But with some practice, you can let go of these thoughts pretty quickly without using. So make sure you understand the difference between a mental relapse and an occasional thought of using, right? Listen, it's not uncommon for me if I see a bottle of tequila somewhere to go, oh, I used to drink a ton of tequila, right? (laughs) Like that's not weird. That's not a mental relapse. That's just my brain remembering who it used to be. And a big warning sign is when your thoughts of using change and they become more insistent, they get stronger, or they increase in frequency, right? They start happening more often and you're noticing you're thinking about it more frequently. Again, you have to talk about these things. And this is where we go back to the three proven steps, right? Surround yourself with healthy, positive people that you can talk about this stuff with. Commit to regular support groups of some sort where you can talk about this stuff and hear other people talk about it and how they dealt with it and be in some sort of ongoing therapy and coaching where you're working consistently on healthy coping mechanisms, right? To manage your stress and keep your stress low so that you can fight off all of these things. Lastly, we're going to talk about physical relapse, and this is when you actually start drinking again. What I see a lot is people can focus a little too much on how much they drank during a lapse instead of really understanding the consequence of one drink, right? Let me explain that a little bit. People often will say to me, well, I drank, but I only drank this much. You know, like I didn't drink and get out of control and get crazy. So somehow that makes it okay. But the truth is 
one drink is too many because I'm setting myself up for failure. So one drink, the problem in having an unhealthy relationship with alcohol is one drink leads you to a place that you have no idea. You don't know when you have one drink, if you're going to have two drinks and be done, or if you're going to have 200 drinks and pass out or die or something, right? You just don't know. So the fact that maybe you relapsed and you controlled it that one time, first of all, that's not surprising. It's not impressive. It doesn't make it okay, right? Because the true issue is one drink is too many because you don't know where it's going to lead you. And if you want to keep pushing it, you're going to end up right back where you started. Listen, you're not giving up drinking because you do it well. You're not listening to this podcast right now because you drink successfully or because you feel good about it. Regardless of how high functioning you are, you are here and listening to this right now because you don't like the way you do it. So if you want to continue to tempt fate, you're going to end up with some much bigger consequences. And it really is one drink. One drink is going to lead you a direction that you really can't control. And most importantly, it re-engages the mental relapse and the obsessiveness of it all, where you're thinking about it constantly. It just re-engages all of that stuff that we're trying so hard to make dormant. We want that stuff to hibernate and go to sleep and leave us alone. A lot of times too, that actual physical relapse, where you actually relapse, are relapses of opportunity. It happens when you have a window that you think you won't get caught. And part of preventing this is really thinking through those situations, hopefully in advance, and developing some healthy coping strategies or exit strategies. When you don't understand how to prevent situations, you'll think in your head that it means just saying no, right? It means being in the moment and just saying no. But that is the final stage and it's the most difficult stage if you're not doing the relapse prevention work all along the way, right? If you stay in mental relapse long enough with no coping skills and you're not working on it and you don't have support, you're going to return to drinking just to escape that inner turmoil and discomfort. So again, let's go back to the three proven strategies, how you get through even physical relapse. You surround yourself with healthy, positive people. So if you're in a situation, you have healthy, positive people that you can turn to to deal with the uncomfortable feelings. You commit to regular support meetings of some sort so you can talk it through and you can show up and go, oh my gosh, the craziest thing happened. I felt like this or I thought about drinking when I was at this place the other day or whatever. And make sure that you are engaged in ongoing therapy or coaching of some sort where you are consistently working on healthy coping skills to manage your stress. And I want to bring this back to the very beginning and all of these things and everything we've talked about and the importance of understanding its self-care. 
I've done a million episodes about exactly this and the importance of managing our stress, refilling our tank when our resources run empty. All of this is common self-care. So let's recap really quickly before I close this episode. Stages of relapse. You have emotional relapse, which is when you're not actively thinking about drinking, but your emotions and behaviors are setting you up for a drink, right? You're bottling up your emotions. You're isolating. You're not going to support meetings. Um, You're focusing on other people and everything they're doing bad for you or to you. Um, You're not eating well. You're not sleeping well. Those are all emotional relapse things. And that's a great little list to start working on if you don't know where to start. Start on that list alone. Okay, mental relapse is the next stage. And this is when you start the battle in your head, right? Do I drink? Do I not drink? I want to drink, but I don't want to drink. And this is just taking you deeper and deeper down the path where you need to get with some good, healthy, positive people. You need to talk about this stuff. Even if you do it in a humorous way, you still need to talk it through and get take away the strength of that mental relapse phase. Um, signs of mental relapse, cravings. Uh, thinking about people, places, and things that are associated with your past drinking or past life, Uh, minimizing the consequences of past drinking or glamorizing it, bargaining we talked about, Um, thinking about different ways to control your drinking, looking for opportunities, and then really planning it, right? Getting in that planning phase of figuring out how you're going to do it. Again, another great checklist. If you want to start there, start there. That's a great spot. All of those are super important. And lastly is the physical relapse. And this is when you are actually in the relapse. You've got the drink in your hand. You're all the way there and you're relapsing. I cannot stress enough the importance of understanding how simple it is to avoid all of these you know, you're doing things on a daily basis. You don't want to wait until you are pushed to the brink where you're pushed to your breaking point, right? You want to be doing these things consistently to care for yourself so you don't get too far down the rabbit hole of the three stages of relapse. Take care of yourself. Make it a priority because it's a priority. If you don't want to drink, you will make it a priority whatever that looks like. And listen, talk to some of my clients that have worked with me like in the six-week program because we come up with some pretty creative ways for those moms and busy professionals who have so much going on that their whole life is lived in a hurry, right? Who will say, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. We come up with some really creative ways to really put self-care in motion. And it's so simple. And my clients are shocked at how quick and easy it is to really take care of themselves. You just have to think outside the box a little bit and you have to make it a priority. And that phrase, I don't have time, I'm just going to call you out on this. When you say I don't have time, what that really means is this isn't important to me. Because you can have the busiest schedule on the planet, like most of us do, but if you dropped your phone right now and it broke, 
I guarantee you, you would find 90 minutes to go to the phone store and sit there and wait and get a new phone because it's a priority. Before you broke your phone, you would have said you didn't have 90 minutes. I don't have time. I'm too busy. But if you broke the damn thing, it would be your number one priority. So you see what I'm saying? You have to make your number one priority, whatever is your number one priority, but it's up to you. I don't have time just means I don't want to. It's not a priority. So challenge yourself on that too. Don't let yourself off the hook so easily because we love to do that because we don't want to be bothered with things. you know. <laughs> and if you want to work with me in my six-week program and you want to get into some of these solutions and thinking outside the box and really figuring this out and giving up the booze for the last time, you can do that. You can schedule a call with me to ask questions at addictionunlimited.com forward slash call. It's that simple. I will link that in the show notes as well so you can get there straight from your podcast app. Don't forget to go back and re-listen to episode 79, Is Relapse a Choice? Because I think it'll really give you a fresh perspective on relapse, how to combat it, and how to get to the other side without an actual relapse. You have a lot of power here. These are your choices, and you can make your life whatever you want it to be. You don't have to relapse. Alcohol is not chasing you down and pouring itself down your throat. There are many, many things you can do. There are many choices you have to create the outcome that you want. And that's what we're here to talk about. So go to your show notes, book a call with me, addictionunlimited.com forward slash call. Go back and listen to episode 79, Is Relapse a Choice? And I hope you're having a fantastic day. I'll see you next week. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. Candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.